Welcome to Decoded, an engaging and insightful conversation with experts and policymakers who tangibly impact the economy. Hello everyone, welcome to our podcast series Decoded. I am your host Asta Gaur. Today we have with us Mr. M.K. Rain, the co-founding editor of The Wire, India's leading news and opinion publication website. With over 35 years of experience in journalism, Sir is a venerable economic and political writer. He has also served as the executive editor of The Hindu and managing editor of The Financial Express. We're very pleased to have you with us, sir. Thank you. Thank you. The theme of today's discussion is the role of media in times of COVID-19. Now, at the onset, I'd like to first ask you, as the co-founder of The Wire, what particular gap did you identify in the media then which motivated you to start your own venture? Well, uh, you know, the, the key uh, the key motivation for us, uh, I must tell you that there are the three of us who started The Wire, uh, me, uh, Siddharth Vardarajan, who, who was also in the Hindu. He was the editor of Hindu. I was uh, based out of Chennai because Hindu is headquartered in Chennai, right? And I was executive editor based out of Delhi. So, so the two of us, and we have a third partner called Siddharth Bhatia, who is based out of Mumbai. And he used to be uh, the opinion editor uh, at DNA. And before that, he had worked for several publications. Uh, so, so three of us, we we decided, uh, number one, we all three of us had done uh, our stints uh, in, uh, in, in the traditional media, right? Newspaper, we were all newspaper people. And between three of us, uh, we have 100 years of experience, right? Me, 35, Siddharth Bhatia, 35, and uh, Siddharth Vardarajan, 30. So so with 100 years of experience in traditional media, we thought that that new media, internet-based media, is is something that we should explore. And uh, after all, media... Platform changes, right? Over the centuries, you you would have noticed, starting from, uh, you know, Mesopotamian civilization when tablets used to be used, right, Uh, for writing. So uh, platform changes, but ideas uh, remain the same. But platform also uh, makes a difference to how ideas get transmitted. I'll come to that, right? So we felt that we should use the internet, uh, the web media as a, uh, as a platform to disseminate our our ideas, analysis, news, whether it's in politics, you know, foreign policy, economics, health, education, you know, everything concerning society, policy. So why did why did we do that? We we left our respective newspapers. Uh, we did that because number one, the web media, the entry barrier is very low. We three of us we started a media platform. Can you believe it with, with a with an investment of barely five lakh rupees? You know, each one of us contributed, you know, what whatever, one and a half or one point seven lakh each. And we we created a website which doesn't cost much. You know, you can create any any graduate uh, uh, or any set of people. You guys could create a. I, I don't have to tell you that you can create a little, uh, you know, newsletter or media platform of your own on the web. And then what we did was. <clears throat> We did what Huffington Post uh, had done in the US. We used our experience and our network of writers, people that we knew. We encashed our goodwill. Uh, 
and we asked people to write for us free in the first six months, and we populated our website. And in the first six months, we got tremendous response from writers, uh, whether it's in, whether writers on politics, on society, on social issues, uh, you know, foreign policy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, on economics, global issues. So, so we populated our website, and the key differentiator for us uh, was that we we said that this is independent media, and this is this media is free of. Uh, of support from either from government advertising or from corporate advertising. So in that sense, we said that we have no influences working on us, either from government or from the big corporates. As you know, much of media today is controlled by, uh, they're owned by big corporates, right? So because they're owned by big corporates, I'm not saying that such media should not exist. All I'm saying that such media uh, would necessarily work under constraints. Like you can't, if a, if a big corporate house owns you, and they are uh, they are in some ten industries, uh, and they are dealing with the government on a regular basis on regulatory issues, etc. Then, to that extent, you know, you are you are constrained uh, in projecting uh, facts and and truth, right? So, so our so our basic proposition was that uh, that this is truly independent media, and we and we do uh, what we described as values based journalism, right? So. So we uh, so we said that we we will question authority, uh, we will question the powers that be. We will uh, call the powers to account uh, without hesitation, without fear or favor. That was our basic uh, model, and it seemed to work in the sense uh, we we really tickled the imagination uh, of uh, a large number of readers and viewers, and they they maybe at that point there was a pent up demand of pent up kind of feeling within society or among the uh, you know the among the readers stroke viewers that that india needed a, a media platform which which spoke the truth without uh, without fear or favor you know so so that helped uh, so that was our basic uh, you could you could say brand proposition so uh, and it worked and today we have in 5 years uh, we have uh, uh, on our website we have about 14 million page views uh, on our youtube uh, we have 24 million uh, we we put out videos right it's multimedia it's not just text so uh, we have 24 million uh, uh, views uh, a month uh, uh, via youtube that we get right uh, and uh, other social media platform the other big thing i must uh, uh, asta tell you is uh, that we 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 succeeded because because of in, the internet media and its potential because internet media uh, and has a very robust distribution uh, uh, system distribution system distribution via social media like youtube google twitter so these are our distribution uh, you know uh, outreach uh, which is free so in a way it's a it's a in a way it's a it's a revolutionary thing that uh, that that the the internet media combination of in web based uh, media and uh, uh, multimedia and the social media have together created which is they've instantly created a massive reach for uh, for people right uh, like facebook has i mean massive reach right facebook google twitter so we use these uh, distribution platforms uh, 
So it's a very low cost uh, kind of uh, venture uh, compared to traditional media where uh, you know you had to newspapers means you had to uh, you had uh, cost of newsprint which is about 30% of the total cost of you know uh, your whatever project that your your newspaper costing and then you had distribution costs you know you had to throw the newspaper at to the houses the last mile a uh, lot of contestation there you know a lot of competition rivalries uh, you know traditionally it was it would be very difficult for a uh, barring two or three pa hindustan times or times of india and delhi maybe uh, if a third newspaper tried to throw newspapers at uh, uh, in various colonies they would be just muscled out you know by uh, literally you know uh, so even in television media the distribution is very costly you know all the initially all the cable uh, distribution people and now of course satellite and you know uh, other distribution uh, 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 systems are uh, far more expensive so so that that's how we uh, conceptualize this uh, uh, our project and uh, fortunately it's worked out well and uh, and we are a, by the way we are, we are a non profit media right we don't uh, we don't claim to uh, be running a commercial venture so so we are purely donation based so people who subscribe to us they actually give us donations so in a way uh, our two basic slogans are values based uh, uh, values based uh, you know uh, values driven journalism and number two people pay pay us for uh, good journalism uh, it's donation uh, that's it we uh, we don't we don't have an advertising department we don't pitch for uh, advertising although we do get advertising revenues from youtube you know youtube uh, uh, they aggregate advertising right for whatever videos that are put on youtube so they give us a share of whatever advertising they collect which which is not a, which is a very uh, very small uh, uh, very insignificant uh, kind of share you know? so but our main our main sort of earnings uh, come from donations uh, so th that's how it works yeah that's an extremely inspiring journey sir now moving on to the present context i'd like to ask you given covid statistics are fiercely debated among data experts with the same graphs being interpreted differently how can the media maintain fairness in publication decisions see at the outset i, I must tell you that uh covid uh in the age of you know in the age of uh, new media hyper uh, uh, you know fast uh, uh yeah you know uh, i'm trying to sort of get the right word you know in the age of uh, hyper mobile media you know where uh, where facts and analysis are delivered at 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 such speed you know numbing uh, speed what has happened is coverage of covid has, has become a bit of a problem i'll tell you why uh, it's very interesting that we had a pandemic in uh, in 2000 in 1958 we had a pandemic in 1968 and in both those years uh, more than 100000 people died in the us and even in india over 2000 people died you know those were also flu pandemic but you if you go back to the uh, archives if you try to google uh, uh, media reports of that period you will find that there is not much memory of those pandemics although number of people that died were as much in the us we have us we are touching about uh, we have just crossed 100000 people right uh, dying of corona but 
in those pandemics 1968 and 1958 more than 100000 people died in 58 116000 people died but there is there is not much memory of what happened at that time right and there is uh, because that was not the age of hyper communication number one not so many people traveled number two we didn't have social media as we have today you know the, uh, google whatsapp the kind of the speed with which whatsapp you know videos and uh, whatsapp content gets delivered to you uh, it, it that itself creates a certain level of anxiety right in society so even before covid without covid it it creates a level of anxiety yeah so with covid of course uh, given covid uh, given the, the the kind of scare that health scare that it created right and uh, uh, given that it was uh, uh, like one of its kind you know uh, pandemic uh, in several decades uh, uh, so my experience uh, was that i tried to go back to 68 Uh, uh even 2008 there was a pandemic 1958 uh, so there was no social media then there was no uh, the the speed of uh, the speed with which things traveled uh, media worked was not so much uh, at that time so so there was relative calm there was uh, relative less uh, relatively less you know coverage and uh, we didn't see panic at that time we i mean we didn't see hyper lockdowns uh, in 68 or 58 we didn't see economy completely you know going uh, uh, you know completely getting thrown out of gear right and uh, there are no there's no memory of uh, massive kind of uh, uh, rush in hospital social uh, distancing paranoia etc so that's much more uh, visible now uh, now i guess people should compare so my, my guess is that it Uh, because the media uh, today is so quick and so alive uh, especially social media uh, it amplifies everything so when it amplifies everything uh, gi- giving uh, you know giving the right balanced coverage uh, becomes a challenge so you have to give you give all kinds of views right there are very alarmist views uh, for instance there's one gentleman who came public health expert who came and said that Forty uh, percent of India will get disinfected, uh, so will get infected, right? So, which which meant which meant some seven hundred million, uh, at least five hundred million people would get uh, 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 infected. Now, that was a very alarmist picture. So there were there were others who said, no, no, uh, it, uh, it's it's all overhyped. Uh, uh, in particularly in India, death rates are very low, which is true. Death rates in India compared to the West. Uh, uh, a very very low you know at least 5 6 times lower uh, india africa uh, you know the 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 more tropical uh, asia in general this whole belt is at least five times uh, lower uh, in terms of uh, death rates as ratio of population uh, than uh, say the us or europe so uh, but in india there was a greater concern about uh, you know there was big debate about lives versus livelihood right so can you afford to lock down the economy what what happens 90% of the indian people uh you know households earn less than 15000 rupees a month so what will happen to them you know daily wages so they uh, so so a lot of economists like you know uh, nobel prize winning economist esther daflo uh, abhijit banerjee they said no it lives versus livelihood is a is a false debate it's livelihood is also lives those people will starve right so so it is lives and lives and not necessarily lives versus livelihood so so the so so all these debates very complex issues we had to 
you know take note of all these things so so to so coverage had to be very very uh, extensive and balanced uh, and and take into account all these aspects right the health aspects economic aspects livelihood aspects uh, uh, so 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 balancing uh, between all these uh, factors uh, has been a challenge but uh, but i guess media has tried to do it uh, and it's still doing it uh, so so that's it so uh, you keep projecting you on the one hand you keep you keep sort of reporting the truth as it is panning out now in a case like covid we really don't know uh, the real truth will never be known because we uh, as everybody says we're not testing enough so so there there's a lot of a uh, lot of things are in this speculative uh, realm right how many are infected because we, because are we testing enough we don't know whether we are doctors we are not testing enough so what is enough testing so so even within the scientific community there there are there are views views opinions counter opinions views counter views some countries like sweden have gone for herd immunity they didn't shut down anything they said okay this is this is like any other virus people will uh, people should uh, maintain normal protocol of social distancing and hygiene uh, and and by doing that they can they do they should go about the normal activities and and become develop immunity right what is herd immunity now sweden has a kind of mixed uh, results some people say they have succeeded some people say they have not uh, they've done better than say countries like uk france uh, uh, spain italy but they have not done better than some other countries so now now in in india if you ask me in india i have written an article saying we are trying to follow all kinds of uh, you know precautions protocol but effectively uh, india the indian state hasn't had the capacity to handle this uh, the the magnitude of this crisis simply because uh, 90% of of indians are poor and and i would say about 80 to 90% they live in you know congested uh, areas conditions where you can't maintain any social distancing like dharavi you know you can't maintain social distancing in slums you know uh, so so in a way uh, by default india is also large parts of india Uh, by default are following the herd immunity uh, you know uh, system you know they are just surviving uh, they are in getting infected they are surviving and some are not some are getting admitted to hospitals and uh, about i think 2% to uh, uh, 2.8% of the those infected uh, uh, or testing positive have also died i think the indian average is about uh, i think in some states about 2 to 2.5% other states about 4% maharashtra is about 5% so mixed results so but these are the debates uh, which are continuing and uh, we don't know uh, uh, it's only by uh, by hindsight maybe after a year that we would know uh, who was on the right side of the debate and who was on the wrong side of the debate you know mm. yeah that's insightful so moving mm. on the migrant labor crisis was brought to the forefront primarily by the media compared to other instances of investigative journalism in non pandemic times how do you think the media has performed with respect to pressurizing the government to take action see i have i must give full marks to the media on on the on highlighting the the migrant uh, labor problem because i tell you one thing i mean it's a matter of shame for all of us it's a matter of collective uh, uh, i mean i, I 
I I I take uh, when I say collective blame, I also uh, I include the media in it. We have never recognized the migrant labor as a. Uh, I mean, they they had been virtually been invisibilized. You know, uh, uh, these are the people who come from villages and they build your cities, uh, and they they live on. Uh, I mean, they live in uh, uh, very very sort of tough conditions uh, uh, around building sites, around you know, uh, in congested uh, slum colonies, and they. Uh, to be to be, I mean, to be candid. Uh, the state has really never bothered to give them uh, their due number one to to recognize their contribution and to give them uh, uh, you know a, a, a systematic uh, uh, to ensure a systematic framework of uh, livelihood social security etc for them right of course on paper there are construction workers uh, social security schemes etc but uh, uh, but i don't know how much they work uh, in reality uh, but during covid uh you know millions of these uh, migrant workers uh, they in spite of the prime minister's uh, if you remember when he announced the lockdown he made a uh, he made a very very uh, strong appeal uh, to all the uh, employers of migrant uh, workers uh, laborers that that they should not be sacked they should be if they are living in some you know uh, in the small rented one room tenement they should the landlord should uh, should not throw them out uh, uh, if they have uh, uh, i mean they should be at least for a few months uh, uh, until the lockdown lifts the people should uh, you know uh, uh, i mean they, basically that they should be uh, they should be treated uh, with with sensitivity fairness etc now this was an appeal made to society at large now uh, what happened in reality was that after the first lockdown period got over and it was realized that things are not improving and lockdown kept getting extended the migrant labor uh, many of them started getting thrown out by the landlords and they came out on the road and they had whatever savings that they had they they were exhausting the savings uh, and then they hit the road now on 31st march uh, uh, it was very clear uh, early april itself that that the migrant labor problem is uh, is there for everybody to see right the the government was in denial the the government uh, the the solicitor general the government's law officer came to the supreme court and he made this this very insensitive statement that there is not a single migrant on the road so and the supreme court kept quiet at that time whereas everybody knew that there was uh, and television channels they were Had started showing like almost like 24 by 7 at night. Migrant walking, you know, the highways, uh, walking 500 kilometers, you know, thousand kilometers. There were st- great stories of a young Dalit girl who took her father, who was injured, father on a bicycle, uh, you know, uh, uh, carrier all the way to you know Bihar. Uh, people going in two wheelers, people going in on bicycles, people walking. Now. it it was a very very heart rending story and it was brought out by the media and it was because it was brought out in the media <coughs> the the government kept denying it as the as i said the government told the supreme court that there, there are no migrants on the road but when the when the through the second lockdown third lockdown when it when the problem became really it, it amplified and became uh, uh, so huge that that nobody could uh, it was like the elephant in the room right so then the supreme court itself took notice 
about you know uh, about two weeks ago uh, uh, supreme court itself took notice uh, on its own and they have now issued instructions uh, on how the state center other should treat migrant labor so so to answer your question i think media played a huge role in highlighting the migrant problem okay sir so it is often important for governments to ensure a sense of credibility and trust among their citizens which may even help in the actual pandemic fight so do you think it's justified for any government to censor any incendiary news against itself in times like these well i have uh, i have believed that uh, censoring news is never a solution because you never achieve uh, uh, much by censoring you know so uh, you know there are instances of governments which have tried to censor for instance the, the, the chinese government uh, tried to censor uh, into news of uh, of large scale starvation deaths you know uh, in china and uh, i am talking about this is a mid mid 20th century uh, uh, so so it really never uh, uh, i mean you by suppressing news uh, bad news you don't help anybody on the other hand by by bringing out bad news at least you alert authorities you alert uh, people at large you know even society at large for instance the migrant issue because it it suppose we had followed you know the the government did not want uh, uh, frankly the government did not want so much coverage of the migrant issue government kept saying they told the supreme court that only some sections of media are highlighting this problem and they uh, the government representative told the supreme court that media is play actually they accuse the media of of negativity uh, in fact the the solicitor general uh, the government's representative described uh, uh, the media in the supreme court uh, i mean basically he 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 described the media as vultures you know who who are like vultures they you know they 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 they, they, they live on uh, like you know uh, uh, they thrive uh, on you know tragedy and death you know uh, so 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 the, the during this period the, the relationship between the government and media has been very very adversarial right so uh, as i said uh, the the government chose to describe uh, uh, media as you know uh, as vultures as you know as uh, uh, <coughs> as harbingers of uh, bad news uh, but my view is that because of that uh, society at large was uh, in some ways was awakened you know there are so many ngos which got active after that you know i all over the place people set up you know food uh, uh, distribution uh, uh, stalls for uh, for migrant labor people were organizing you know uh, uh, you know mumbai many actors were uh, started organizing you no know, transport for uh, for migrant workers from mumbai to uh, you know up bihar uh, all over the country i think there was a general level of uh, awareness was uh, was uh, was very high and uh, i think i think bad news uh, in my view uh, uh, needs to be brought out so that uh, we need to see the truth for what it is you know i mean hiding hiding truth uh, never really helps in my view yes sir. so as you pointed out earlier in our conversation times of fear are also times of rumors and misinformation 
so with respect to public health and welfare packages introduced by the government how do you adjudge the performance of the media in getting accurate information to the masses see asa the media uh, by and large media just disseminates uh, in in a public health uh, emergency media disseminates whatever the government uh, wants it to uh, disseminate in terms of pure information <clears throat> like media has been faithfully <coughs> reporting uh, all the facilities that various state government center have been creating like in terms of hospital beds in terms of apps uh, delhi government for instance created apps you know for hospital beds for corona patients so media has been just helplines so media has actually played uh, uh, very faithfully the role of of information in terms of positive information for uh, for uh, for the uh, for for the population uh, for uh, covid patient potential patients uh, but where the gap uh, where the gap has arisen is that what has been promised by the government and which media has faithfully uh, conveyed to the people uh, have not have not actually played out uh, uh, as they were projected on the ground for instance now media is getting lot of complaints from patients saying that we went we went to the hospital we were not we were not admitted so media is reporting that also so that is the so that is the bad news that media is reporting which the government doesn't like so when media reports all the all the good things uh, or all the sort of uh, facilities that the government uh, 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 is you know putting in place for public health uh, emergencies uh, the government is happy but when when the user when people like you and me when when we uh, users in society where go there and find that that they are not up to the mark or they they are not corresponding with what is promised so they come back to them the same people come to the media and and they are also interviewed they they on television channels there are a lot of people you must might have seen last few weeks coming out on tv channels and 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 relating their uh, their sad stories you know uh, their, their tragic stories of how uh, i remember on ndtv there was a gentleman who came and said that his father was not uh, admitted on time in some hospital i think lnjp and he died you know so so media has to sort of uh, media gives projects everything you know good news bad news uh, we are like a like a mirror to society so in the sense we are supposed to play you know mirror to society so if if something is happening it will be mirrored so that's what in my view that's what good media is about so a mirror does not distinguish between you know what, uh, what is uh, good news or what is bad news right so a mirror is a mirror right so so adding on to what you just said on the split side in times of a pandemic don't you think the media faces a trade off between acting as a harbinger of hope and stating hard facts in pursuance of journalistic ethics what do you think about the balance see balance asta is a is a is a call that every media platform uh, has to take uh, in terms of their policy right for instance doordarshan or you know uh, or government media or some media channels which are very sympathetic to the government they may they may just project uh, uh, more of positive news and may not project uh, bad news and uh, their trade off would be uh, more tilted in favor of the uh, the the state right 
but we for instance the wire we are very critical we are very questioning of the state so we our coverage will always be tilted in in favor of what the people are uh, uh, saying uh, not necessarily you know the state is saying something the people are saying something else so you you do a balance so uh, so we we have been reporting uh, all the uh, the issues that are cropping up all the uh, the gaps are cropping up in public health uh, you know uh, public health infrastructure um, now asta everybody every intelligent person uh, out there knows the state of india's public health you know so we we how, how much can you hide so 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 beyond a point hiding does not help you know you have to uh, it is true that in these times you should not spread panic now now that is also a, that's also a call it's a trade off so uh, so does it mean that you do not report say in in one cluster Uh, a massive increase in number of uh, cases so one might argue that don't report this that there's been a 100% increase in you know uh, say in dharavi uh, it will cause uh, panic you know no that's a okay i'll give you one example in gujarat one of the worst states you know maharashtra gujarat have been the two uh, you know uh, among the uh, uh, among the states where the infection ra- uh, rates have been pretty high so there was a public interest litigation in the gujarat high court about testing about how not adequate testing was being done so the the gujarat government uh, representative uh, uh, the advocate general of gujarat comes to the high court and he makes a a formal uh, a formal plea to the gujarat high court that that there is no case for massive increase in testing because uh, if you if you increase uh, uh, testing so much you might uh, find that 70% of gujarat uh, people uh, you know citizens are gujaratis are infected and that will create you know more panic and fear among the people now now would you agree with this logic that you don't test because it will show more infection therefore more panic now i i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't agree uh, with this logic but maybe some gujarati newspapers which are sympathetic to the gujarat government may have may have agreed with this logic so that's how it works yeah interesting so lastly i'd like to ask you in the name of preventing transmission privacy issues and surveillance via mediums like arogya setu apps have come up so as a key media person how do you feel this will play out in the long run see asta the it has been it has been the government has assured uh, the minister of uh, uh, information technology uh, has also explicitly made a statement that this arogya setu app is only is only temporary in nature until the crisis blows over it will be there after that the gov there is an assurance from the government that they will delete all data uh, uh, collected on behalf of the citizens now i am waiting to see whether this assurance will be kept because there are privacy issues because uh, the, india doesn't have very strong privacy laws yet right so there is at the moment there is merely an assurance from the government that they the data will not be misused all of us have been forced to uh, download that right so going forward if you have to enter a mall you have to show arogya setu app uh, the malls have, that have opened up in the south uh, are making arogya setu uh, compulsory so if you enter a mall you have to now 
so so you have what is the contract that you have with the with the state that the contract is that the state is saying please trust me i'm not going to misuse your data uh, this is only temporary in nature uh, but i i don't believe the uh, state completely i would like to see how it uh, how my experience pans out you know later i want to see how it uh, so there is a, I'm, what i am saying that there is a there, i believe that there is a privacy issue yeah thank you so much for this insightful conversation so it was a pleasure hosting thank you this podcast was brought to you by the economic society of sri ram college of commerce you can find us on all podcast streaming platforms and thank you for tuning in